Has the day of miracles ceased? This is a favorite question posed in my favorite book, the Book of Mormon, by the prophet Mormon himself. We've had a couple of miracles ourselves lately that we're going to share in today's episode, along with the story behind where this mantra came from in my life. I actually finished recording this episode with Neil and was texting back and forth with my mom about the man I mentioned in this episode, Lamont Erickson. My mom sent me this text from his wife, Debbie, with some of the even more beautiful details about the miracles and impact of Lamont's life before he passed that I'd like to share with you. Debbie said, Lamont was told he'd have three to six months to live, and he ended up living 15 months. That was, of course, a tremendous blessing to us because our kids were only six months and two years old at the time of diagnosis. Lamont researched his illness, tried several pharmaceutical studies, and remained hopeful and faithful. I think all those things extended his life. It gave us extra months to spend lots of time together and make many home videos, which are the main source of my children's memories with him. As a side note, he actually sold his medical practice right after his diagnosis so that he would be free to spend every remaining moment with his family and friends. I have vivid memories of going to the zoo together and he'd get so tired that he'd lay on the benches to rest between exhibits because he didn't want to stay home and miss even a minute. As his last act as a physician, he sent a goodbye letter out to all his patients, expressing his love and appreciation for their trust. He told them about his illness and how he was praying for a miracle. He explained, though, that if the miracle didn't go his way, that he'd be forever grateful for what he believes about family and other treasured relationships. He encouraged his patients to set their personal finances in order in their lives and tell their families how loved they are so that they could be at peace with any eventuality in their lives. Over 14 years later, I still receive correspondence from a few of those patients who tell me how much that letter meant to them. Thanks for the chance you've provided me to rewalk through this journey today. Hello and Merry Christmas. Hello. We're recording for the Christmas season and for December 13th is when this will go live. We've had some really interesting experiences lately in life and one of which is has been kind of dominating our life and everything that we've been going through. So if you follow us on Instagram, you know that I am pregnant. At least today I am on, when we're recording this on Wednesday, December 8th. And it's been a, truly a roller coaster, probably the most roller coaster-like experience of my life, except for maybe dating you. That was a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, yes. that was a roller coaster. Just to give you some background on how this baby number five came to be, Neil and I felt like we were going to be done actually at baby three. Like Millie seemed like the perfect little caboose. And then one of our friends joked the other day about, well, that's what happens when you go to the temple a lot. We went to the temple a lot after Millie was born. That was when we started going weekly. And we felt really strongly that there was one more baby. And not only that there was another baby, but that this baby wanted to come down now. I felt an urgency with Harry that I hadn't with any of our other babies. So we kind of just casually walked into that and said, okay, well, we'll see what happens. And we weren't like really trying, but we weren't preventing. And it took like, I don't know, six or eight months or something. And then we got pregnant. And I was kind of surprised when it happened, even though I knew it was a possibility. Yeah, we got pregnant with Harry and 
had Harry during the pandemic and then I had just horrible postpartum depression. And before all of that happened though, we really were like, okay, I think this is going to complete our family. Especially when we found out Harry was going to be a boy. It was like, oh, this is perfect. Like this little boy is coming to complete our family. And my doctor had presented the option to tire tubes and or t- whatever. It's actually called a tube removal or a tubal, I think, tube removal. So we felt good about that. And I had even signed the papers to have that happen. And then we had experiences with two people in our lives, um, our current bishop at the time, and then our former bishop, who we just called to seek advice from. And our current bishop kind of said, well, guys, I actually would encourage you to to not do that. I'd counsel you not to do that. And which we were totally not expecting. We were expecting him to say, oh, do whatever you want. That's fine. So we were a little bit surprised by that. And he said, ultimately, it's totally up to you. But we were kind of like, oh, okay. And then do you want to tell what happened next with calling our former bishop too? So we called our former bishop and he kind of said something along the same lines. And and so basically we took that as, you know, hey, I think that out we're supposed to we're supposed almost. to leave this open ended. Yeah, we we both were like, oh wow, we expected kind of the opposite from especially our current bishop at the time. Just for some reason, we were like, oh, like before we called, as it was ringing, I think we were like, he's gonna tell us to do whatever we want, and then it was really surprising that he gave us different advice, and then the opportunity to talk to our former bishop popped up, and then he basically gave us the exact same advice. I went to my next doctor appointment, and said, actually, I'm. I don't want to do this. And she was like, I kind of had a feeling you would back out. And I was like, really? Because we were totally planning on this. We didn't do anything to prevent more babies and had Harry and still felt like, okay, that's going to be it. We're not going to close the door forever. Like we didn't do the tube removal surgery, but we also were like, this is probably it. We're going to be good. About a year after Harry was born, I started to have these really strong impressions where not even impressions, because I feel like an impression for me, a spiritual impression or like getting, hearing the voice of God for me comes a lot of times in like these kind of quiet, but still and very clear messages in my mind or in my heart. That's how I feel like God speaks to me a lot of times, or sometimes it's when I'm reading my scriptures and certain things pop out at me or pop into my head and I can feel the spirit simultaneously. And I know that that's God speaking to me, right? These were different. This was like, I would be watching all the kids or making dinner or whatever or hanging out with them at the beach and I would get this sick feeling like this. It was like a lightning bolt sick feeling where I would feel like, oh my gosh, someone isn't accounted for. Like maybe someone's out in the street and they're about to get hit or someone's drowning. Like I would have this just like my heart sink to the bottom of my stomach, like pit feeling of something's wrong. And each time I would look around and be like, nope, one, two, three, four, they're all here. It happened the first time and I was like, oh, that's weird. And then like a week or so later, it happened again. And then it just kind of kept happening and it would be really random. And it would hit me like a bolt of lightning out of nowhere. And I would just feel like, oh my gosh, one of them's missing. And because sometimes with four kids, you'll be getting busy and you'll do something and be like, oh wait, where's Millie? I mean, that's happened before where she like wandered off with her blankie to next door and was like playing in our neighbor's courtyard. I mean, that's a legit thing that happens, but each time it would happen, I would look around and be like, no, wait, one, two, three, four, they're all here. So I finally told Neil and I came to him and said, I do not want you to think that this is me trying to 
set up a scenario or manipulate the situation or whatever because I want another baby, but I just want you to know this is happening to me. And what was your reaction? They said you're crazy. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. No, I, I was like, okay, I was accepting of that. But then, I don't know, nature or nurture, like right after that, I started having the same thing happen to me and was like, oh my gosh, like I feel like we're missing somebody or where's our, you know, we're missing a child, but all of them that were there. All of them were there. And when I've heard people talk about, oh, we felt like someone was missing, I always pictured this really cheesy scenario of like, oh, we were sitting down to Sunday dinner and I looked around the table and thought, there's one more empty chair and that's for Johnny or something. You know what I mean? Like I just always had this picture in my mind of like some mom who was like, oh, there's one more, like Saturday's Warrior, if you've ever seen that. Not like, that there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I pictured when people would say that, that type of scenario where it was like, oh, wouldn't life be more beautiful with one more? It was not like that for me or for us. It was just this like, every once in a while, it would hit me out of nowhere, like like the sick feeling of, oh my gosh, one of my kids isn't here. And then I would count all four of them and be like, no, they're here. That happened to me. Then it started happening to Neil. And then like we've been doing for a very long time, we were in the temple in one of our weekly sessions and decided to really confront the issue and say, is this something we're supposed to do? And we prayed about it together in the temple and and just sat and talked for a really long time. And we had an undeniably strong spiritual experience where it was like, yes, Heavenly Father. And, and this was what I felt Heavenly Father saying. I have given you so much. I need you to make room for one more. And this isn't about you. Because I, I kept telling Neil, like, I don't know. Like, can we do one more kid? Our life is already so crazy. And am I capable of being a good mom? And do I want to have another kid? And Neil was kind of expressing the same things, right? What were your thoughts? Yeah. like? No, well, same thing. I thought we were pushing it at a four. <laughs> I, th- I really thought we were, I remember before Millie, it was like, okay, this is our last one. And then Harry was kind of like, a, you know, I really feel like we need to do this. Yeah. And then I was like thinking to myself, oh goodness, four, like this is a, this is a posse. Like we are a crew. And then, so the the thought of five was just like craziness to me. Right. But at the temple, but I what felt, happened to Oh you? yeah. But I totally felt the same thing. So I, I mean, you know, I had the same experience and we talked about it and it was really, really powerful and kind of like, this is what, you know what what I would like you to do. Yeah. It really, to me, was God saying, I need you to make room for one more. And I've given you so much. And I and you are capable of having another child in your family. And I need you to make room for one more to come down and be in your family. And I just felt that so strongly. And then there was something that Neil said that just like totally solidified it for me of like, yep, you're feeling what I'm feeling. And we were both like emotional. And it just was a very, very real moment for us. So we went home and I, instead of, I was going to start a new pack of birth control like the next day. And instead I just tossed it in the garbage. And we, with all three of the kids before that, so not Annie, Annabelle, when we were younger, and I think the older you get, typically, the longer it takes to get pregnant. But with Annabelle, we got pregnant fairly quickly, like within a month of trying. But all the, all three other kids took six to eight months, which isn't a long time. I'm not complaining. I'm not like lamenting. I'm just saying that's about what it took. So I thought, okay, the kind of also the longer 
we've gone on in our marriage and in our parenting journey, it seems like it's taken a little bit longer with each one. So I thought, oh, it's probably going to take a while for this to happen. We we were pregnant like two weeks later. It happened so fast, faster than any of our other kids, which was a shock. But it was also like, wow, okay, this really is clearly God's plan. And this is what is supposed to happen. So, okay, let's do this. And we were excited. And then a couple of weeks later, I just, we had a photo shoot one morning and then I remember going into the bathroom and going, oh no, oh my gosh. And I was like, I think I'm miscarrying. And I told Neil, I think, I think I'm having a miscarriage. And I wasn't like, I was just like completely devastated. I mean, of course it was like a sad thing, but I was kind of like, okay, well, I've never had one of these and I think that's what's happening. And it was pretty severe. So I called my doctor's office. I had already called and set up an appointment to go in for the appropriate like eight or nine week checkup or whatever. But I called them and said, hey, I'm, I think I'm having a miscarriage and bleeding really heavily and having cramping. And should I just hang out or, or is there anything I should do? This is my first time. And they said, we want you to come right in. And they said, come today. So I came in and they did an ultrasound and they found a gestational sac, but the gestational sac was very low in my uterus. And they said, okay, so we're going to do some blood work and just see what happens. We did the blood work. And then my doctor called me that night, late that night. And she said, so I saw your blood work come in and I was like, oh, yay, her numbers are really high for the, where I was at at the pregnancy at the time. But she said, but then I saw your ultrasound and the gestational sac is really low, which is kind of leans toward miscarriage. But she said, it's too early to tell. We got to give it a little time. So she said, let's repeat your labs in two days. So I went in and got blood work done two days later. And then the next day, went in for another ultrasound just to review what my blood work had been and whatever. And so that next ultrasound, which was four days later, revealed a gestational sac now in the center of my uterus, which the girl doing the ultrasound was like, oh my gosh, we were really surprised by that. But so it was like this whole time it's been like good news and then bad news and then good news and then bad news. So she was like, the good news is there's this gestational sac right in the center. But she said, the bad news is your numbers have gone down a little bit and it's only a little, it was 3,300 to 2,900. But she said, still the fact that they dropped is not good. So she said, you know, have you talked to the doctor? And we talked to, I think, the PA that day. And she basically was like, yeah, this is pro- this is going to be a miscarriage. So we were sad about it. But they said, let's give it a few more days. We'll have you come back Monday for another ultrasound and some blood work. And we'll just see what happens. So I went back on Monday. The ultrasound before had been on a Thursday. So from Thursday to Monday, we went back and the gestational sac had grown a little bit. And then they were like, okay, we'll do blood work and, and we'll have the doctor call you. So this is the week of Thanksgiving. So there was a little bit of good news, right? Just like this whole journey has been. Like there was a little bit of good news because the gestational sac had grown. It was still in the center. I wasn't bleeding anymore. But the bummer news was that my numbers weren't going up. But they were waiting for the new set of numbers from Monday. So then my doctor called me the next day on Tuesday, Tuesday night, like really late Tuesday night before Thanksgiving. And she was just like, I'm really sorry, Corinne. This is your numbers are still, they're a drop from the initial draw. They're 3,100. So you should be doubling every 48 hours. And she was like, this is, this is everything we need to know. This is a for sure you are, this will be a miscarriage. And she said, this is pretty much a slam dunk. 
I was super sad and started crying. And she was like, so here are your options. You can either wait for the miscarriage to happen naturally, which might take days or weeks. We're not really sure. She said, or I can give you medication to speed things up and it'll it'll make the miscarriage happen within 24 hours. And you just take this medication and it's over with quickly. She said, or your third option is we can do a DNC, which is just like a very quick, minimal surgery where they put you under, they go in and kind of remove everything and you wake up and it's all over. And she said that her advice to me was to do the number two, which is take the medication, have it over with quickly. Like, And she was like, and I said, can I have some time to think about this? And she said, sure, take all the time you need. And I got off the phone and I was, of course, really upset and told Neil. And and I just was like, she's telling me that she thinks the best route is this medication, but I just feel weird about it. And I just don't know. But then again, like she's a doctor and she knows what she's doing. And we've been told like at that point we had been told by like a nurse practitioner, a PA and my doctor multiple times, this is probably going to be a miscarriage. And then the final word was, yes, this for sure is a miscarriage. I was pretty upset. And and Neil was like, well, you can take some time. We don't have to rush into that. And it was just like the busiest work week, too, of the whole entire year. There was Thanksgiving. It was just like a lot going on. So I was just sad. And and I think Neil was like helping with the kids or whatever. And probably within the next hour, I was like praying and thinking and trying to just feel something. And I got this impression, you should call your bishop. Five minutes later, five or so minutes later, you came into the room and what did you say? Said the same thing. Yeah. Said, I feel like we should call our bishop. Yeah. And our bishop is our congregational leader and we believe that he has priesthood keys uh, or priesthood authority to be able to receive revelation for people in his congregation when asked and when needed. He's like one of the only people that kind of has that like priesthood authority to receive and give revelation for a specific person because we are kind of under his stewardship, like his umbrella of stewardship. That's part of what the calling is for a bishop in our church. And that's that's what we believe. So we both had that spiritual impression and we called him and kind of told him everything that was going on. And he listened and he was like, you know, guys, I think if there's even 1% chance of life, then I think you need to wait. And we both were like, yeah, that feels right. So we decided to wait. And I had an ultrasound scheduled for the following Monday. So, or sorry, the following Tuesday, because Monday was Cyber Monday. So I had this this ultrasound scheduled. And I asked my doctor when she called me and told me, this is for sure going to happen. It's a miscarriage. I said, should I cancel the ultrasound? And she said, no, because if you take the medicine, we'll just make sure everything has cleared out. And if you don't take it, then we'll kind of see where the fetus is at at that point and kind of further assess things or whatever. But she said, no, don't cancel it because we'll need it either way. So we went through Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all of it kind of just like so sad, but feeling like, okay, we're, we're supposed to just wait and see what happens. And I was definitely on pins and needles all weekend long feeling like, okay, any moment now I'm going to miscarry. And then we went into that appointment on Tuesday we're sitting there with the ultrasound tech. I didn't even have a doctor appointment scheduled after because it was just supposed to be basically like a checkup of where things were with the ultrasound tech. And she starts doing the ultrasound and she was like, oh my gosh, you guys, there's a heartbeat. And we saw this little flicker of a heartbeat on the monitor. And I just 
was so overcome with emotion, like, oh my gosh, that there's a life in there. This baby is alive. It was a miracle. There's no other way to possibly explain it that science said over and over with my HCG numbers dropping and dropping that there shouldn't have been a life in there. And there was. And we both saw it and I took a video of it and I felt in that moment. And actually we had gone to the temple a couple of days before that. And I, the impression I got was if this baby lives, he or she will live because you need to testify of this miracle that this was only through God that this happened. So I shared it on Instagram. I shared it like it it was just really interesting how it all kind of came together. And I didn't get to like do this cute like balloons and photo moment of sharing that we were pregnant. But I felt like this was exactly what God needed me to share. And I had also felt that impression the week before when I kind of shared that I was possibly going through a miscarriage. and, And then when we had this miraculous news... It took me like a day to be ready to share that. But the following day, I really felt impressed. This is when you need to share it. And we have this thing called Light the World that we talked about on the podcast like a week ago or something, where each day you have a prompt. And that prompt happened to be the day that I shared this whole experience about share about a wise man or a wise person in your life who's given you really great advice. And so I shared about how the bishop ended up being like a wise man that told us this thing that just completely changed the way I thought of this. If there's 1% chance of life, I think you should wait. Anyway, this whole thing unfolded and was just so incredible and miraculous and wonderful. And fast forward to a week later now, we went in on Monday and had a follow-up ultrasound. Oh, well, actually, last week to go along with the up and down roller coaster as soon as my doctor saw that there was a heartbeat, she said, I want you guys to go get more blood work now. I went in that same day and got blood work. And then I got an email from the PA the next day that said, well, your numbers still aren't rising. So, you know, the doctor's very concerned about this pregnancy being normal. And it just felt like such a, like a downer after that high of like, oh my gosh, there's a baby that's alive that survived that bleeding and there's a miracle and there's a heartbeat. And then it was kind of like, well, your numbers still aren't rising. So this isn't good. And, and at that point I was just like, we've seen that there's life in there. So we're just going to go with that as long as we can. A couple of days ago on Monday, the 6th, we went in for another ultrasound and they did find the heartbeat, but the heartbeat was the rate, the heart rate was lower than they would like for it to be. And the baby hasn't grown as much. Once again, the doctor is predicting with 100%, my my original doctor, predicting with 100% surety, this is going to be a miscarriage. I felt really disappointed too in the way that that information was presented, kind of like, well, I know you guys think you got a miracle, but this is what I called all along. Like this wasn't normal. Each person out there deals with the way life happens in a different way, but that's just not how I choose to see it. And interestingly, after all of this, a few weeks, no, not even a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, we decided that we wanted to do a product line that would go along with Mintero messages. And I, for years, have wanted to do like a merch line or a product line with meaningful messages to go along with Mintero Meaningful Mondays, which I've been doing for eight plus years now and, or maybe even almost nine. And then you know, we have this podcast, Mint Arrow Messages. I really wanted to do some positive messaging on 
t-shirts or sweatshirts or whatever, because I feel like when I walk into some of my favorite stores, I will see a lot of times graphic t-shirts or sweatshirts that have like cute or funny things, but sometimes they're kind of sarcastic or like they're funny and kind of witty and cutesy. But, but I was like, I want to create something that would make someone really feel good. Like to see something that's not only cute, but to read it and be like, wow, I love the way that makes me feel. Or that totally changes my mindset. We brainstormed a lot of different messages. And the one that I kept coming back to was one that I saw over and over growing up that completely influenced and changed my life, which was the mantra, miracles happen. And I promise I'll give you. No, this I'm. I'm gonna give I'm you. I'm just listening a and thrall. This is really. I mean, you're harboring the. It's a lot. It's, I'm, yes. I'm like the girl on Mean Girls. It's like I just have a lot of feelings, but miracles happen. This is the story behind where that came from. So when I was a teenager, there was this doctor who was in my church congregation, who was this beloved doctor and father and husband. He was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer he was told he would have a very short time to live. The story goes that his wife, one of the times they were at Huntsman Cancer Institute in Salt Lake, which is one of the best cancer treatment centers in the United States. They were there for treatment and she walked into the gift shop and saw this sign that said, miracles happen. And she said, I knew right when I saw it that that needed to be our mantra. And so they put it on their door and then one of their family members printed a ton of bumper stickers and people in our our little local church congregation started putting them on their cars and driving around with this bumper sticker that said miracles happen and my mom put it on her car and had it on her car for the next like decade i used to just see that everywhere and it really influenced me to think about wow miracles do happen and the cool thing about this man that i'm talking about is even though they didn't get the miracle of him beating stage four pancreatic cancer in the long haul because he did eventually lose his life to pancreatic cancer. He was able to live so much longer than they originally diagnosed him to live. And he had like this little baby boy at the time who had just been born and he was given so much more life than he was originally told he would have and months and months of time to teach his son and have memories with him and He was very influential with the teenagers in our community. And we have this video still of this man speaking to the teenagers that were like my brother's age and just speaking to them about the true meaning of life and how to have happiness and how he was this like extremely successful doctor that I still remember him saying like, I ate out every meal at the finest restaurants and I wasn't happy. And then how he met his wife and he embraced this family life and and just found true meaning in things that really mattered and that looking he was basically knocking on the door of death being able to decipher very clearly what actually mattered in life and what didn't and he was able to change people's lives and their perspective and their outlook on what mattered and what didn't because he was given that miracle of so much extra time and i think that the mantra miracles happen doesn't mean that every time we wish for something, 
that it's going to magically happen exactly the way we wished for it. What it means is miracles do happen. And when we have the eyes to see them and when we are paying attention and we recognize them and call them out for what they are, they're the fullness of that true gift that God intended them to be. And they give us a different perspective and meaning in life. I want to read this description of what a miracle is by Ronald A. Rasband. I love that he says, Miracles are divine acts, manifestations, and expressions of God's limitless power and an affirmation that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Many of you have witnessed miracles more than you realize. They may seem small in comparison to Jesus raising the dead, but the magnitude does not distinguish a miracle, only that it came from God. Some suggest that miracles are simply coincidences or sheer luck, but the prophet Nephi condemned those who would put down the power and miracles of God and preach unto themselves their own wisdom and their own learning that they might gain. Miracles are wrought by divine power by him who is mighty to save. Miracles are extensions of God's eternal plan. Miracles are a lifeline from heaven to earth. And I know you read a talk this morning. Yeah. That was all about miracles. I listened to conference talks while I'm working out or exercising or whatever. And I was, this one just popped on. This was from October of 2021. So just barely, it just is crazy. We, as we were talking about this episode, it coincided exactly with, with the story, the man in your war that you just talked about. But it was Elder Brent H. Nielsen, Is There No Balm in Gilead? So he talks about this kind of same scenario with his father, that his father was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. That's why this was so crazy when you said that. Yeah. He got a call from his dad and was his dad was like, hey, I'm going to beat this thing. Like, I, I need you. Let's all believe together. He, Elder Nielsen and his brother, gave their dad a, a blessing. And, and it was really, you know, a priesthood blessing, which is kind of a special blessing in our church by the authority of the priesthood when people are sick or need counsel. So he gave this blessing and was basically like, Hey, in the, in the blessing, blessed his dad to, to recover from this cancer. So they went into a major surgery and found that the cancer had spread through his body and the surgeons and the, the physicians kind of broke the news and said, Hey, there's not a lot of time here. And his, his father ended up dying. And so he kind of goes through this journey and this, this process and, and talks about it through through this this talk. He says, we continue to fast and pray for a miracle. As my father's health quickly declined, we began to pray that he could be free of pain. Eventually, as his condition worsened, we asked the Lord to allow him to pass quickly. Just a few months after the surgery, as predicted by the surgeon, my father passed away. And then he goes on to say, as time passed, however, and we experienced the pain of my father's absence, I began to wonder why my father had not been healed. I wondered if my faith was not strong enough. Why did some families receive a miracle, but our family did not? I had learned on my mission to turn to the scriptures for answers, so I began to search the scriptures. So he cites these examples of Christ healing different people in the New Testament. He gives this example of, in the Old Testament times there, there's a spice or this ointment used for healing wounds that was made from a bush grown in Gilead. So that's called the balm of Gilead. And that kind of became known as this healing element. And, and so he references these, these, the Savior healing these people and the man who was dropped into the roof of the house who was sick with the palsy. And he references that healing. But through studying the scriptures, he kind of changes his and really changes his perspective on what a miracle is. He says, was it possible that I had not fully understood that the Savior's healing power was not just his ability to heal our bodies, 
but perhaps even more important is ability to heal our hearts and the broken hearts of my family, which is super, super powerful. And I love just this last little bit here. The greater lesson that I learned, I had mistakenly believed that the Savior's healing power had not worked for my family. As I now look back with more mature eyes and experience, I see that the Savior's healing power was evident in the lives of each of my family members. I was so focused on the physical healing that I failed to see the miracles that had occurred. The Lord strengthened and lifted my mother beyond her capacity through the difficult trial, and she led a long and productive life. She had remarkable positive influence on her children and grandchildren. The Lord blessed me and my siblings with love, unity, faith, and resilience that became an important part of our lives and continues today. So I think it's really cool to see that, that oftentimes what we're thinking of the obvious miracle, you know, what that obvious miracle should be, we could be lacking or or missing the mark on the miracles that are actually taking place that we're, we're not seeing. And, and maybe, maybe the miracle looks a little, a a little different or a lot different than the one that we're hoping for or wanting. And I've definitely seen that in my life, just in going through the loss of my brother. And maybe he was, he was lost for a time for a day or so. We didn't know where it was. And that's kind of what sparked everything. And, and so the miracle that, that we were looking for was like, Oh, he'll be found. He'll be fine. There's a miscommunication somewhere. But that's not what happened. He died, he'd been killed. And and so if it was a similar that, experience. Yeah, if you haven't heard that story, you can go back to our first, first podcast very first episode. podcast. We lay episode. out the whole, yeah. whole thing. Um, but there were miracles along the way. Um, and just being able to see the resilience of our family and have spiritual experiences together that blessed our lives and and to really understand that there is a plan and and that there specifically for my brother, there's a plan and for our family. And so a lot of those miracles kind of were happening after the fact, but that initial one of, Hey, we found him. He's okay. Everything's good. It it didn't happen. But I think that we were blessed to have several others along the way that, that really helped us to understand what miracles can, can be all about in a certain situation where an obvious thing doesn't happen the way that you think it should. And sometimes they do happen. I love in this in this talk, Behold, I am a God of Miracles, Elder Rasband talks about this experience that he has where he and his wife were supposed to do this worldwide broadcast during the pandemic for all the young single adults in our church, which was like millions. And the power went out right before they were supposed to do this broadcast. And they immediately started praying. He prayed, Heavenly Father, I, ha- I rarely ask for a miracle, but I'm asking for one now. This meeting must happen for all of our young adults around the world. We need the power to go on if it be thy will, which is always like a key phrase is whatever God's will is. Seven minutes after six o'clock, as quickly as the power had gone out, it came back on and he started, he talked about everything came on. It was working. It was perfect. We were off and running. We had experienced a miracle. And he said later that evening, he was texting with Sister Nelson, and she said, Ron, we want you to know that as soon as we heard the power was out, we prayed for a miracle. And that was our prophet, President Nelson, and his wife. And so I think that's really cool that sometimes those things do happen, and it's so important to recognize them and to recognize God's hand in everything. And if you go back to the episode 
with my dear friend, Amy, she talks about some of the miracles that they had with her son who, her son crew, who had cancer that really, there were so many different things that happened that where he should have lost his leg. He should have probably broken his bone and had cancer spread throughout his entire body. He had very slim chance of this surgery that would save his leg going perfectly, and it went perfectly. And recently she shared her testimony in our congregation about how not only did his his femoral head was protected the way that she asked people to pray for, but also this cadaver bone that was inserted, there was like this this huge gap, and they did some x-rays several months later to see kind of what had happened and that there's no gap now and that the bones have fused perfectly. And it's like this miracle, a medical miracle that happened to their family. But interestingly, while all of this is happening, right, we are getting these sweatshirts back that say miracles happen. And this is something we planned quite a while ago, like I said. And then in the midst of all of this, we're going through this thing where it was like, it's a miracle. Well, maybe it's not like up and down and this total roller coaster of, is the baby going to live? Is the baby not? Is it okay? Is it, is it a miracle? Was it a wrong call? Whatever, up and down and up and down. And the last we heard yesterday, we went to another doctor appointment with a new doctor who I loved. She was so wonderful. And she just looked at me and said, I am an eternal optimist. And there's about an eight, 98% chance that this isn't going to work out. But she said, we saw a heartbeat today, even though it was weaker than we would like it. There's still a life in there. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to intervene at all with life. We just wait this out. And she said, there's still a 2% chance. In the meantime, we pray for a miracle, an additional miracle to happen if it's God's will. And if this baby is supposed to live, then we'll receive another miracle. But if not, but if not, it doesn't take away from the fact that seeing that little heartbeat a week ago and again this week was a true miracle that there was life after we were told with certainty this baby, this is not a viable pregnancy. This will be a miscarriage. And maybe it still will be, but the fact that we saw a heartbeat was a miracle. And I felt strongly that we were supposed to share that. And maybe it's because that this little baby's purpose, even if its life is only a couple weeks of a beating heart, maybe its purpose was so that another baby's life will be saved because the mom maybe will pause before she takes medical advice that she wouldn't have otherwise taken if she had known there was a chance of a baby being alive. I don't know the meaning of all things. I don't know exactly what all this means. I don't know how this is going to turn out by the time this comes out on Monday the 13th. But I do know that our God is a God of miracles. I know that. And last night I was texting my friend, Amy, who is so wise. And you know, they experienced all these miracles with crew that you can go back and listen to if you listen to her episode. But she's also experienced miscarriage. And when I was talking to her a few weeks ago about miracles and do they happen and do they not? And do we pray for them? And do we ask for them? Or does God just give them to us when he feels like it? And does it is it conditional upon our faith? She was like, it's absolutely, you're part of the miracle when you when you show your faith and faith always precedes a miracle, but they just don't always happen exactly the way we want them to. And that was our discussion a few weeks ago. And then even last night after I had gotten this news of like, okay, most likely this baby 
is not going to survive. 98% chance, but there's maybe a 2% chance. And I was texting her and saying like, I feel kind of silly. Do we continue to ask for miracles? Is that right? Is it not? What do we do? And, and I just told her, I feel kind of silly because medicine says this is not going to work out. And she said, no, it doesn't sound silly at all. We are supposed to hope for and ask for miracles. Sometimes our miracle doesn't come in the way we hoped for. I know you already know all of this, but I will say that being on the other side, I do appreciate the lessons I learned from it and the empathy and compassion it gave me. I never would have understood how hard it was. She's talking about miscarriage and how to be there for others experiencing it had I not, had it not happened to me. All part of becoming godlike, right? Doesn't make it any easier though. And that part that she said, it's all part of becoming godlike is true. Like we have to experience hard things in order to have true compassion and to become more of the people that God needs us to be. And I know that. And so that's why like for all of the time that I've spent on my knees in the last, it feels like it's been a year, but it's only been a month of this up and down roller coaster of so many doctor appointments and blood work and all these things and new news every couple of days. I just keep praying, Heavenly Father, if it's thy will, please give us a miracle. And I have faith that we can have a miracle. But if not, I trust. I trust that you know better. And that's what I keep praying for. And and so we'll see. But I still feel strongly that this message of miracles happen was supposed to happen. And and although Earlier this week when we were getting the samples and getting the, oh, guys, this is so exciting. We're going to be able to launch this before Christmas. I started to feel stupid. Like I put this message out that we received this miracle. And now we're being told by medical professionals, we are going to lose this baby. And so does that make me look stupid? Is this like, a oh, that's cute. You thought you got a miracle, but really like science will rule. These aren't actually miracles. It's just the way medicine is. And a doctor called this. That was part of my temptation of feeling like, oh, well, this this looks silly. This looks like some foolish girl that believes in like fairies and miracles and this fictitious being called God. Like there was a part of me that started to feel kind of silly like that. And then through lots of prayer and studying and trying to hear God's voice and trying to make sense of all of this, the thing I've come to conclude is that all of these things that happen that are unexplained, inexplicable other than God's hand are still miracles, even though they aren't necessarily always exactly the way that we would dictate them. Because if we could make every call, if we could ask for something and wave a magic wand or rub a genie's lamp, then we wouldn't need to have an earthly experience. It would just all be easy. It would all be a cakewalk. We wouldn't experience anything hard. We wouldn't, just like Amy said, become like God. We wouldn't go through any kind of refiner's fire. We would just prevent our kids from even ever getting a skinned knee, let alone, you know, losing a baby or losing a brother or or losing this doctor who was a husband and a father. Like it, all of these things happen. We don't know exactly why they all happen, but we do know that we have to go through hard things in order for us to have the earthly experience that God needs us to have to be the people he needs us to be. So that's, my conclusion, and although I had some moments of doubt and fear of like, is this, does this look silly that we printed these sweatshirts that say miracles happen right after my miracle doesn't fully happen? And my answer is no, it's not. It doesn't take away from the miracle that did happen that we were told 
this pregnancy isn't viable. And then we saw a heartbeat. That's still a miracle. Along with all the other miracles that we've seen other people have. And, and I thought also last night I was putting together a Light the World post and we were supposed to thank medical heroes. And I thought about what happened to Millie this past summer where she was so sick. She, I've never seen one of our children as sick as she was. She was screaming inconsolably. She was in so much pain. She wouldn't eat. She wouldn't drink. She wouldn't sleep. She was, there was something seriously wrong with her. And she kept saying, my tummy hurts, my tummy hurts. And whenever a doctor or nurse would see her screaming like that, they would say, this is not adenovirus. This, I don't know what this is, but it got to the point where she had been in the hospital for five days and she had a team of doctors rounding on her every morning, not just one, but like six to eight doctors were in there reviewing her case, talking about different possible scenarios, giving her every test under the sun. I mean, it was serious, whatever it was. It wasn't just some little bug. I got the impression one night in the hospital to ask people to pray for her. And that was humbling because I thought, I don't want to make it seem like I'm like using my social media to ask for favors that are greater than other people's. But I, I, but I felt that so strongly that I needed to ask for people to pray for her. So I did. I just did this like simple little Instagram story of Millie's really struggling. If you're a praying person, will you pray for her? That night, for the first time, she asked for pancakes and wanted to eat something for the first time in like a week. And I was like, okay, great. You can have pancakes, you can have whatever you want. She finally, instead of screaming, decided to eat a little something. And then I shared that that miracle had happened and thank you for your prayers and and keep praying for her. And the next morning she drank something and she was eating and her pain started to go away. And the doctors were like, well, we can't explain this. We don't know what happened to her. Whatever that was, it seems to be going away. And that afternoon we left the hospital with no explanation. We never found out exactly what that was. We never found out why. It was like a miracle. It was just an inexplicable, God-like thing that happened that science couldn't explain. That we walked out of there and our little girl who was so sick, who was severely dehydrated, who wouldn't eat, who wouldn't drink, who was screaming in pain, walked out of the hospital totally fine. And we've had many, many instances like that. So sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes it happens like Dave, where it was like, we could have gone through agonizing months and years of not knowing what happened to him, not knowing. We talked about that earlier today. What if the people who killed him took his body somewhere that we would never be able to find it? And then for years, we were just eaten alive with the grief of not only losing him, but not knowing where he was or what happened. Not that it's like, oh, you're so lucky, but that there were some tender mercies and miracles that happened that eased the burden of what happened. And I feel like those were from our Heavenly Father. And I've talked a lot today. I obviously have a lot of feelings, but I do believe that miracles happen and that when we recognize them and when we see them, that God is able to strengthen our faith, strengthen the faith of others around us and give us even more. I love it. No, I know. Final thoughts. The only thing that I think that the phrase I love that you said, it reminds me of the Old Testament story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they get gas in the furnace. And it's, it's kind of like our God will save us. But if not, then we still believe and we still trust God. And And I think that phrase, and there's talks that are literally entitled, but if not. And, and I think that that shows an, an understanding and a trust in God that look with my mortal eyes, I, I might not be able to see and understand something, but I trust in God and I trust that from his 
vantage point and for for who he is and my relationship to him as a child of God like I trust that enough to know that there's there's a higher way here there's a higher reason there's a more of an eternal perspective that I don't understand but I trust it and I have faith in that and I don't think it's perfect at least it's not perfect for me but it's something that I'm as I strive for and, and seek for and exercise faith in that there are miracles there's miracles of understanding and miracles of strength to endure and of grace to be able to not just endure but find meaning in and peace in my life and not only that, but be a strength to others and be a beacon of light and take a, a challenging situation and not merely endure it, but change it into something really positive that is a blessing to my life and the lives of others. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today. I hope you have a Merry Christmas and that this helps you to see more miracles in your life and to see God in your life. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.